Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Jimmy Hoffman. And my name is Alon Danziger. And we are the hosts of this program. It's time to get embarrassed with us. This is Lost and Rewound. Oh, yes, it is. It's always such a fun time working with my buddy Jimmy here and exploring the sounds of our youth and more like my youth. But, you know, hopefully one day we're going to be able to get him and his audio in on the business here. Sooner, hopefully, rather than later. I'm Uh, telling you. We were just chatting about this, that you actually have something in the mix. Yeah, I do. And it's definitely gettable. I don't have to go and find it. 36 chambers you know, it's, it's it's attainable it's totally attainable so it should be coming soon guys on this episode we have tyler gillespie coming back for those aware of our former adventures in podcast land um tyler gillespie and claire linick were the authors of the awkward phase they both joined us on an episode one time and uh more recently when i went to new orleans i got a chance to hang out with tyler in person and have a conversation with him He's got some new things in the mix as well. So you're listening to the radio right now. This is true. We're, we are broadcasting on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Uh, you know, this is this is past the pirate days. We're on to we're on to the internet now. Sponsor our show, by the way. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you, you want to sponsor. We'll have all it. your booty, all your booty. All bring, bring us your booty. Your your bountiful chests of gold and trinkets. It's community radio, so your donations mean the world to us. And we won't take them by force unless you make us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lost and Rewound is uh, always about the submissions. So if you have anything you want to submit to us, by all means, we want to hear what you got. Yes. So again, if you have any old tapes. Collecting dust. Anything that you've seen on the shelf for years and that you look at almost with disgust and you just hope you're never going to hear it again. We want to hear it. Lostandrewound at gmail.com. That's an email address. That is an email address. (laughs) And this is our segue.
Tyler Gillespie is a comedy writer and journalist who has written for a number of publications, including Rolling Stone, Salon, The Daily Beast, and he's also been on NPR. But most recently, he became a published author with the release of The Awkward Phase, which was a compilation he released with the guest we had last week, Claire Linick. Please welcome to the show, Tyler Gillespie. Welcome back. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. This is a, an, a, a nice occasion uh, with being able to have you back again um, now, I guess, the third time, and in theory, but technically the first time for our Radio Free Brooklyn audience. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. So um, we, we were chatting earlier before the <laughs> broadcast, and you are back in Florida. You're originally from Florida. Yes, I just moved back to Florida a week ago yesterday. And where in Florida are you exactly? So I live in Largo, which is near Clearwater Beach, which is near Tampa on the West Coast, like midway down the state. Your family is originally from that general area? Yes. What made I'm you a fourth generation Floridian? A fourth generation Floridian. So you know a lot about gators. <laughs> And Nile crocodiles. They just found a Nile crocodile in, like, the swamp. That's which is, awful. It's terrifying. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. Florida is a place that never surprises me, but always surprises me, if you know what I mean. When was the last time you were in Florida, Jimmy? I was there two years ago. My uncle lives there, actually. Oh, yeah? So I should be there more often, honestly. I will say that. But, uh, yeah, I spent, I spent quite a bit of time in Florida. And uh, it was the same deal. Like, my, my uncle lived uh, in Plantation, and he lived on the side of a canal. And I remember in the summertime, he goes, yeah, if you're going to go outside, like, just make sure you look out just in case, you know, there's an alligator out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever you say. So I actually looked out the window one time before I went out by myself, and there was, like, a six-foot alligator, like, three feet from his door. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like wow. This is um, this is not like Brooklyn. <laughs> no, I mean it's a wild place. It's definitely a wild place. You were just recently in New Orleans, um, wrapping up uh, some uh, graduate school. Yes. Yes, I finished grad school. I was Con there for three years. Congratulations! What, what were you, you were studying? Poetry? Yes. Uh, well, I did study poetry, but I got an MFA in nonfiction writing. Got it. Uh, but I am definitely a poet at heart. You must be already missing it, though. I'm, I can only imagine the the sweet, sweet food and nightlife scene is already just beckoning you. Well, well I mean, I'm happy to be in Florida. I do love New Orleans, but and I've been, eat, I mean, I've been eating a lot of good food. I've just been kind of unpacking, so I really haven't thought too much about it, you know. But what about them crawfish? Yes, <laughs> missing them crawfish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my last week was like a blackout of just eating po' boys, meeting my friends, you know, all that kind of deal. Yeah, that sounds like the life. Get on a riverboat, get a po' boy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where are you? Where are you from? You sound like you're from the south or somewhere. No, I just <laughs> <laughs> there's just all kind of drawls and accents that come out of me. But I'm from Brooklyn, actually. You're good at it. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank oh. you. Jimmy uh, takes code switching to a whole other level. <laughs> he like he's he call, I call it Hoff switching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm from wherever you're from. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't do an accent to save my life, so I'm 
right. I mean, again, like, you know, watch out when you see me in Chinatown because it's going to be offensive. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> so since you're back home, are you planning on sticking around in Florida just until you figure out the next step? seems like you've got quite a number of accolades under your belt at this point. Well, it's funny that you ask me that because I came back to Florida to do research because I'm writing a book about the state. And I'm also going to the University of South Florida in the fall. So I've been having to get my health records and my immunization shots, which has kind of been a, a hassle. I don't know. I don't have any records. And the woman who was doing my intake was asking me about my life. And we came to the conclusion I'm unemployed, like for the first time in a long time. So I'm just unemployed trying to work on my tan currently. When was the last time you had a job then? Like a week, seriously, a week ago. What what was your job? You probably, you had a job through the university? Yes, I was working, I was teaching freshman composition to, at the university I was going to, the University of New Orleans. And I also was writing about theater for their newspaper in the city. So, and I was freelancing, like I had several jobs, you know, but she was just like, well, what are you doing now? And I was like, oh, I don't do any of that right this second. <laughs> yeah, now I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> and uh, right. you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes, you know. <laughs> like you're unemployed. I was like, I guess you're right. I'm unemployed. What was the first job that you ever had um, for like a summer job? Oh, my. Well, I worked on a catamaran <laughs> and uh, I worked on a catamaran as the first mate when I was 18 in Clearwater. Nice. Yeah, it was really it was a, I made a lot of money because we would take these sunset cruises out and I would bartend with beer and wine. And I was 18 at the time. And uh, my boss was such an asshole. He was my friend's father and i remember him like i didn't know i didn't know how to be a first mate i don't know anything about boats i i don't know how to tie them up i don't know how to climb up on them i don't know how to clean them but he was a shady character pirate and (laughs) let's just you don't have to like dance around it Okay, he was evading the IRS. <laughs> so he was playing under the table. That's Probably what, a pirate. That's sort of what pirates do, you know, take to the seas, right. <laughs> evade the IRS. Right. It's all hand in hand. So he is a pirate, and he's just like, well, if you don't tell, you can work and you can make money. And he was so awful to me. And I remember he like yelled at me in front of customers, which I found is out is actually really good because then customers will feel bad for you and they'll tip you more. That, that um, does happen. That's true. Yeah. So I was a first mate. I quit that job. Well, it, I didn't actually, I guess I quit slash got fired was because I didn't know how to tie up the boat and the boat started to float away one day. Oh no. And it's like a multi-million dollar catamaran, right? And yeah. it's fun though because this guy was walking by the on the boardwalk and he said, Oh, is this where the first mate position I should apply for it? And I was like, I don't know if my job is open, but please tie up this boat. So. <laughs> Here is your first exam. Yeah. <laughs> tie up this boat for me. You know, that- that like reconfirmed that there is a god because that boat was going out. <laughs> and I, was, I had no idea what I was gonna do, but he was paying me under the table, so I was like, "Well, really, what is he gonna do?" Because I know he's not good with the IRS right now. 
And he had video cameras set up because he thought his son and I were stealing. So he saw all this on camera and everything. Classic. I feel like the best part of working on a catamaran is that you get to say the word catamaran all the time. I'm actually a little bit um, uh, fuzzy, I should say, because I'm envisioning what a catamaran is, but I really don't know because I've never actually seen the word spelled out before. In all fairness, I don't, because I guess I'm just not a part of nautical culture as much as the next guy. Well, are you so you're asking how to spell the word? Is that what it is? I'm going to say it's C-A-T-A-R-M-A-N or something like that. You're close. C-A-T-A-M-A-R-A-N. Catamaran. Catamaran. Your instincts are right. That's right, yeah. I'm a boat word spelling expert. Let's just put it out that way. No, I mean, for some reason I know that one. I'm But... Uh, I had I, I honestly I couldn't describe what a catamaran looks like. I want to say it's a small covered boat that's not too big. You know, that's for small well, local travel kind of thing. I mean, it, it's kind of it's not necessarily it has a big mast on it, and it has I want to say two pontoon looking things like um, kind of ski kind of deal. You know, this one people there was like a <laughs> there wasn't a trampoline. There was not a trampoline on it, but there was like just a place for people to lie out in the sun. On that it's cabin. not hard to describe. I, just, I can't can't think of the, how to say it. I, I feel like the word catamaran. Yeah, but when I feel like when I hear it, it just makes me think of something like Star Wars. Or like, yeah, I was out on Jabba's catamaran. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, yeah. Then, and then I saw Solo, and then the whole gang were there. It's, 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 a, it's weird. There's something about yeah. it. I'm telling you, man. That's... That in and of itself, whoever invented that was just like, I'm a damn genius. <laughs> so that, that job probably didn't last too long. But that said, um, you weren't looking for references for the next position anyway, I'm sure. Right. Well, I still know nothing about boats. But I that was – I'm you know, I made, I, needed to, I made a lot of money that summer. I mm. made so much money. And I've made probably half as much in the rest of my life. <laughs> that boat money, man. I, you know, I, I, I will still hold that people who have the knowledge of the seas are people with cash. Like poor people are afraid of water. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, man. I've, I've been thinking about this. I feel like I have very little nautical knowledge, and the sea is very scary to me because I grew up with no money. When you got money, you got boats, you make the sea, you bitch. Like, you're just like uh, you make, make the sea subservient. Let's be <laughs> let's be PC here. All right, sub sea subser- submarine servient or something. I don't know. Like I apologize. Some, some play on sub word because you're below. <laughs> it's just this thing where you know you're like you know. For me, when I look at the ocean, I'm like, boy, oh boy, I don't want to go out there. Cause I'm gonna die. I'm gonna drown in that water. There's a giant shark is gonna eat me. But when you're like rich, you float out there and drink delicious beverages. And the first thing that comes to yeah. my mind, shrimp. <laughs> you were gonna say, Tyler. <laughs> I think you're on to the right line of thinking. I've never thought of it that way. I mean, the ocean is a scary place, though, for anyone who knows what's in it. I have a lot of feelings about the ocean. <laughs> the, the the only thing I could honestly think of in regards to the ocean always makes me think of when I had an OkCupid profile eons ago, and there was a question that always stood out, always stood out, and it was, does living on the sea seem like a good idea? 
like does like having like essentially saying if you had a houseboat and you only had a houseboat to live in would that sound like a cool idea and it was just a very basic yes or no question and i just thought it was really funny because that dictates just exactly what kind of uh, person you are in terms of your adventurousness like i think i even went to dinner one time with my parents on the upper west side to some restaurant that overlooked a harbor <laughs> just saw like some houseboats and one of the houseboats looked not like any of the houseboats it basically looked like something that you wouldn't even take out to the ocean because the thing if you moved it out of the dock would probably sink in an instant all the other boats yeah. are boats whereas this one was basically just like a house you know floating on the water so to the gentleman to the round table does does it sound like something you would want to do having uh, living on the sea well, actually, you know, it's funny. My best friend's dad lives on a houseboat right now. He like, okay. just moved to a houseboat like, like, like a year ago. And are you envious of this? Am I? Oh, yeah. So the, the real question, would I live in a houseboat? Which, no, would... no way. I don't like the water. <laughs> Not even in the dock. The moment I just thought about it, I was like, are you kidding me? Like in the middle of the night, I could drown. Some kind of ninjas could crawl out, sea ninjas. I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Tyler? I I'm not afraid of drowning, but I I don't know how to tie boats up, so I could not <laughs> Draw, drift off the sea. Yeah. I've been in the house. I've been pl- in plenty of houseboats, and they're lovely. And I would, if I could, if I was handy, then yes. But realistically, I don't think I would survive. I had a friend growing up who, and I guess maybe he still does this, but I'm under the impression he may have retired already of, uh, you know, after enough time has gone by. But when we were growing up, her father, I never knew her father. And I was like, oh, maybe she doesn't have a father. But no, no, she definitely had a father. He just was 10 months out of the year a captain of a ship. So she just never saw him. Like he came home for like holidays, but he was more or less always out to sea, which I found just completely remarkable. If you have a parent that's away on business, only you know, like ten months of the year because they have a job managing a, a major cargo ship, that's just an incredible thing to think of. Yeah, dad's a scallywag. <laughs> let, let me ask you, Tyler. In terms of where you were in that time of your life when you were, had that job, was that something that you thought would be a good idea or did one of your parents uh, suggest it? Like, what kind of mind was thinking that you would do something like working on a catamaran? Well, I needed money. I sure. needed a lot of money and I needed it quickly. I was going through some issues with the court and I needed to pay off. Some Are you allowed fine. to elaborate on that? Yeah, get that, well, get that boat money. I mean, that's like, I, yeah, I had gotten a DUI when I was eighteen, and the thing about because the thing about Florida is you have to drive everywhere. It's not like living in Chicago or New York City where you, you can take the transit, obviously, right? So anyway, we, you know, I had gotten in a little bit of trouble. And the thing about those situations is it's, like, really expensive. Uh, I don't know. It's, like, $10,000 if you get a DUI in Florida. And, like, when you're a teenager, even now, I don't even know how I would get $10,000 right now. It, except for, I guess I'd Maybe. have to ask Scarlett. But you anyway. Could like, uh, so I just, work on a catamaran. I, I would go work on a catamaran. <laughs> it would be fine. 
You know the thing about it though is so I needed to make a lot of money and when you work on the beach, Clearwater Beach is um it's a, a lot of tourists go there. It's very it's one of the most beautiful beaches in the con- in the country. Florida is, you know, a popular place to go on vacation, so a lot of people will just be spending money, but then you also start to hang out with people who have money. Because you go out with them afterward, you know, they come by the dock. I needed to make money and I knew this guy was shady. I knew I could make a lot of money. And my friend drove me because I couldn't drive. So I was in kind of a corner. Right. And I was on the sunset sales at that point, you know. I heard there was plenty of money to be made on the high seas. I needed it quick. <laughs> you were just in <laughs> He he is just finding any excuse to do a pirate impression. Uh, it's he not as if I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just foreshadowing. The only other thing I can think of that is relevant to this entire conversation is is that I get given sailing stories all the time because my cousins. Yeah, well, there's a side of my family that loves sailing. It's like my my cousins on my mom's side were raised to be sailing fanatics. And so now they've all grown up and they take their kids sailing. And it's just, it's like a super white thing to do. I I can't lie. Right. Dude, you have a, you literally have like a ship hat on. Shh. They don't know that. It's radio. <laughs> You're blowing up my spot, dude. His hat. There, there are other reasons why I wear this hat. His hat has a, um, what do you call that thing? A, uh, the wheel. The, what the wheel, the boat, yeah. The boat, the boat wheel. But there's one name for it. What do, we, what do you call that? The navigation wheel. We'll just call it that. The helmsman, all right? He's the helmsman, all right? And then he turns the thing. So I I think this all comes back to when I was starting a new school and I would just wear clothes without realizing what they meant, like wearing Quicksilver or wearing hookups or wearing Stussy or wearing any of these random brands of clothing when you, especially when you're beginning a new school and you think you can get away with wearing them because they look so cool and you could re-identify who you are around new people. But then... Very, very shortly after you start this new school, you begin to get the the barrage of insults thrown your way about like the fact that you're not a surfer, you're not a skateboarder, you're a poser. (laughs) Were you a poser? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, I don't think I was because I didn't know any better. It wasn't like I was consciously trying to emulate somebody I wasn't. Are Are you posing right now? I guess I am, <laughs> and then that's probably what it comes down to. Um, I mean, wait—is hookups a brand of jeans? I've never heard of that. Hookups was like an anime-ish themed, like in terms of the design, was an anime-themed skateboard apparel company that was big okay. in the '90s. Alongside, um, I guess, if we want to really go the distance here, Jinkos was in the same. Uh, now you're talking my language. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jinkos became all macied out. I'm pretty sure Jinkos you could you were able to buy at major retailers eventually, but they started out pretty uh-huh. small in the skateboard stores. Caffeines. I mean, I, I can I can go mall rat for you if we want because I, there was definitely a skateboard store that I remember shopping at when I was a kid that had all these awesome shirts, and I enjoyed seeing all the designs and seeing what looked cool. I know that you have a story in here uh, in the awkward phase about your days of wearing rather, like, sporty kind of... uh, You can probably describe it better. 
Well, I mean, I was definitely a mall rat as well. I loved the mall. I would go there with my friends, my crew, right? And we would just walk through the mall looking at clothes and then trying to talk to girls and get girls' numbers and things like that. And yeah, at the time, I was really interested in wearing baseball hats, backwards hats. I actually, I just went through my closet because I moved back home and I, I I was finding some of the stuff I used to wear and I was like, God, this, this is hideous. I would wear like button-up shirts and one side would be striped and one side would be like chuckered, like different patterns. Have you seen that? Really? It sounds familiar. I, I would have to really look yeah. like look it up. You were saying I don't remember where I got it, but and I would wear collared shirts, just very like oversized, and I, I don't really, I can't really even. It was like puka shells were involved somehow. I don't know how. So I would spend a lot of the time at the mall with my friends, just trying to talk to girls. I'm gonna read. Oh, you're gonna read it. I know. I'm just gonna read an excerpt. Just an excerpt because okay. I wanted to touch upon this because it, it, it's right, it's yeah. so beautifully written. One of the things I just love about the awkward phase and I continue to love is the way that you can write to yourself unabashedly, objectively, and without fear. And and it's one of the things that's longstanding to influence even Lost and Rewound. Mall Kid, if I can be frank for a minute, I know why you tried so hard. And it's okay for you to still be figuring stuff out. Breathe. It really is okay. Your Southern Baptist Christian High School has made you sign a morality contract which states you won't participate in any secular activities. The very worst of all, gay thoughts. I feel for you so hard right now because you still have nearly two years left of worrying they'll find out and you'll get expelled and never get into college. You have two years left of wearing all navy blue outfits. I feel tears starting to well up right now, but not for the navy blue. It's actually a good color because things are going to get rough for you in the next few years. It's going to knock the wind out of you. You're going to make some really hard choices. This outfit won't even count as a top 50 mistake. When you were, you know, still in the closet and were going to high school, of which we've talked about, I know we, you and I have talked about that in the past, yeah. was dressing really well really that important to you? A few things. Navy blue is still my favorite color. <laughs> I love navy blue, so I'm with you, my friend. I just actually painted my wall in navy blue. America's Cup navy is actually what the wall color is called. Um, and yeah, you know, I've thought a lot about that, what you just asked, because I think it's a little bit, it goes beyond, I mean, it starts with what you're wearing. You're, you were talking about what it means to be a poser, right? So I was posing as a straight, well, I don't even wouldn't say I was posing as a straight guy because it's hard to know when you're, in such um, an indoctrinated, <laughs> indoctrinated state. Sure. I don't want to with Southern Baptist. I don't know how familiar you are with the Southern Baptist, but they're very fire and brimstone. You can't dance. You can't be gay. Obviously, you just read that. So when you're coming from that, it takes you're on a learning curve of figuring out your sexuality because you can't even masturbate. They say you know you're going to hell. That's a sin. Right. And. So to say I was figuring out, I think is a little, isn't necessarily 100% true. But at the time I knew that I was interested in guys. So you start with your clothes and from there, like, oh, I'm going to be a, 
I'm going to dress like a straight guy. What do straight guys wear? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you figure it out. You figure out like, what is this straight guy wearing? I'm going to wear a version of that. And then you take it another step. You figure out, well, how does a straight guy talk? I'm going to talk that way. What does he say? How, it's like that deep, you know what I mean? And you're, you're trying to really embody that and morph into it. So I did all kinds of crazy things, you know, posing, posturing as a straight guy because I was afraid of getting kicked out of school because you would right. get kicked out of school. And then I then saw, well, if I get kicked out of school, I can't go to college and experiment with boys or whatever, you know? And so, it, yeah, I mean, what, what I wore was, was really important to not being picked on or not even being picked on. Cause I was friends with people and that's the thing. Like, my that a lot of people don't didn't get is I was really friends with those guys, but I was worried about the teachers and things like that, you know. What I love so much about that picture, and we're talking about the mall and my grandparents and stuff, they took me to the mall. They, you know, glamour shots when glamour shots were like really popular, they had a whole storefront but it wasn't called glamour shots and so i picked out that background i'm wearing my tommy lanyard you know my grandparents took me to do that because i didn't like how my skin looked in my school picture in terms of bad skin days like god forbid that on your picture day there's a pimple that happens i think that's a fear that every kid has no matter what yeah. To the point that you have to maybe, like what I did, tell your mother that there needs to be some kind of issue uh, resolved and you don't want to get into it. But just could I please borrow your uh, whatever it's called? Concealer? Concealer, probably. Yeah, that's what it is. Don't ever try to put on a concealer when you are a teen. You won't do it right. Because <laughs> I did try to do that. I've tried a lot of things as a younger person and... I put on what they were calling tinted face cream, you know, and I had a zit on it and I put on this peach colored cream. It didn't work out. Oy. I don't know that I ever had like the, yeah, bad, I'm looking the at you. bad pimple, you know, uh, school picture situation. I'm trying to think about it. I had the bad hair day. Oh, yeah. School we... picture one. I've already. I, oh, you've I, always I... been cool. I know I will not. I, I I've had plenty of pimples in my life. I still remember, and this is I was actually I think I told my mother this on Mother's Day. I had some acne as as a kid, as 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 many of us do. But I remember one time my friend's older sister looked at me one time. I was like thirteen. She goes, "Jimmy, you're such a greasy little kid. You're gonna have so much acne when you're older, and then it's gonna oh, and then it's gonna scar." And she said this to me, and I was like. I remember even at the time it was like so cutting. Like I knew I was never gonna forget it, and then I never did. I remember like what she yeah. was what she was wearing. It, it was weird, you know. They have those moments in your life, but it's well, it's... you know, I used to um, keep an acne journal, an ac I guess an acne diary, because I had read that you're supposed to track how your face looks every day. Like, oh, today I had a greasy day or, you know, today it was clear. So I made notes on how I looked every single day. And I remember it's so it's so weird looking back now, though, because I would buy I bought like, you know, just regular ass Neutrogena yeah. scrubbing bubbles. Whatever. Oh, yeah. And I remember that the cashier was like, 
asking if it was for like my girlfriend like you know like guys shouldn't be washing their face or something oh like my that. goodness like shaming me for buying it yeah it's taboo for men to use hygiene products that aren't men's hygiene products yes man it, I, I, i'm not saying that that's an, an, something that should be acceptable but that's like the nature of, of real life a lot of people are act that way, and it's it's ridiculous. You didn't I, you didn't use anything when you were younger, man. Come on. No, I used like nothing when I was a kid, and as I got older and I had girlfriends, they'd be like showing me how to moisturize. And Clearasil like had a pad. I remember the Stridex, the, whatever the little tiny like wet pads that uh, those were the things that I used all the time. I remember. No, I just kind of I just I use my hands, and I squoze. <laughs> you know that Whoa. whole that whole. Uh, <laughs> That whole acne regimen. It's like, oh, look, pimple. Ah! <laughs> Gentlemen, we have a few things to address in a second. Let's take a quick segue break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about grandparents. This is not lost and rewound. called the dancing zone and i and it's all these recordings these all these tapes and i've done 33 tapes of recording oh yeah in other words you can re- hear something on the television or, and it's good and you want to have a copy of it yeah um this is grandma eva everyone um this is my grandma want to say, say hello grandma yes hello everybody so nice to be here we're at fire island right now yeah uh, the weather is a little bit 
damp today because of a bad storm we had here last night. And uh, I hope that the sun will come out and we'd have a nice sunny day, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's right. From now, I think we will just go on and have some breakfast. How's that? Yeah, I already had breakfast. (laughs) All right, see you. Bye. 12-year-old, in the very essence of it, and my grandmother was really a very sweet, very uh, disciplinarian woman who, in her older years, nice. just cherished her family so very much and brought everybody together. And we all enjoyed her presence. She was great. Oh, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your your grandmother is uh, still kicking it and evidently has just recently collaborated with you, Tyler. Um, could you talk a little bit about the yeah. relationship that you had with your grandmother growing up? Okay, so, you know, I'm glad that you played that clip because my grandmother and I, she actually just told me goodnight. Like, I'm living with her right now. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's going to bed. We were, (laughs) I guess, really close. You know, she supported me. She would come to all my basketball games. We both love basketball. I played basketball since I was in elementary school. She came to the games. We still watch games together. She's a huge fan. And we just were really, we just kind of vibed. I know that's not the best way to describe it, but we just kind of like similar things. She's she's a tough cookie. It's kind of like Grey Gardens, I guess. Have you all seen that movie? I, I'm ashamed to admit that I have not, but I'm familiar with the story. Yeah, I, okay, I haven't so seen it I mean, that's a really gay reference. So, I'm, <laughs> But anyway, they like there's these two family members who just basically live in shambles but have a great time together. You know, and I say, like, that's how we are. We don't live in shambles, though. Been there. Been there in the shambles. I don't know what you're talking about. What about you, Jimmy? You have uh, a good relationship with your grandmother? Or so unfor- unfortunately, yeah. But, yeah, both my grandmothers are past. One I really didn't know too well. She spoke another language. So I sort of would communicate with her. I don't know. She sort of, it was one of those things where she spoke Spanish and I sort of speak Spanish. And it was mostly a lot of like her being like, hi, Jimmy, how are you? On the phone. And I'd be like, hi, grandma. She'd be like, yes, I love you so much. And I'd be like, I love you too, grandma. Is it hot? Oh, it's very hot. Because she lived in Arizona. (laughs) So I'm just. Oh, you see, I'm like, did you see a cactus? <laughs> Fair. Yes, yes, I see them. You know, that was the extent of that. My other grandmother actually lived next door to me growing up. Ah, right on. Her, um, my grandfather passed when I was like a baby. I never got to meet him. And my father wanted to take care of his mother. So she moved, we actually, the like the building next door to us, an apartment like opened up and she moved in. So I spent a ton of time with my grandmother growing up. In fact, I still, and this is still to the day, uh, I don't personally smoke cigarettes. I know it sounds like I have two packs today, possibly, but... I don't know what you're smoking, dude, <laughs> but it ain't cigarettes, that's for sure. I, my grandmother smoked cigarettes uh, with me in the room, you know, it was the, you know, the older, the older days when people weren't worrying about so much about that sort of thing, and it, she was chiefing. I mean, I loved my grandmother. For any time I smell cigarette smoke now, it's like a really warm, positive feeling. Yeah, it's associative. Yeah, it's just like, oh, Grandma, lemon chicken. <laughs> Tyler, is your grandmother uh, from your mom's or your dad's side? Well, yeah, my maternal, I live with my maternal grandmother. And, you know, I was thinking about it. 
we she and I had a rough patch for a little uh, for a couple years or one year with me coming out and me just being an asshole basically and being wild child you know and so for us to kind of be here is is really I'm really happy that we're here you know and it's interesting that you're talking about your grandmother smoking because my grandmother has COPD from my grandfather smoking so she hates cigarettes so she was actually just coughing tonight but um yeah it's like my mom my grandmother we're all here in Florida hanging out yeah, for you kids at home, my grandmother died of lung cancer. So, All right. So, uh, yeah, so as, as much as it was a nice, warm memory, um, cancer really sucks. <laughs> oh, boy. Neither of my mom's parents lived past my uh, seventh birthday, so I didn't really get to know them very well. Uh, I, I do have very warm memories of them, um, and to this day, I do very much wish that I got a chance to know them better. My dad's dad died when he was 15, so I you know nobody really ever met him, <laughs> but my dad's mother uh, was effectively really the only grandparent that I ever really truly got to know into my into my adulthood. She actually, incidentally, she managed to see Barack Obama be elected president and then died shortly after he got elected, which I thought was so interesting and poetic. And I got a chance to chat with her a few days or maybe a week or so before uh, she passed. And we just, you know, talked how just wonderful it was that this whole time of life was happening before our eyes. So that was kind of cool. Like there wasn't, it wasn't closure per se, but it was just like a nice moment to be able to share with her. Yeah. Your uh, grandmother comes up actually in another awkward phase story, but I don't need to read it. If you, if you like have it in front of you and you want to read it, by all means, I, not the whole thing, just like a, the excerpt. Is it okay if I read it actually? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't have one in front of me. When you're an adult, your grandmother will say, the eye doctor didn't have the heart to tell you that you passed the eye test. She will remember the doctor saying something like, if his eyesight was as bad as he pretended, then glasses wouldn't have been able to help him at all. Your uncle, the ophthalmologist, gave you a pair of non-prescription tortoiseshell glasses so you'd feel better. You thought glasses made you look smart and would help you blend in at school. You may not have needed the glasses, but they sure were sharp. More bad news. You never climbed the ranks of the band geeks like you certainly wanted. Those band kids were too musically inclined to include you in their shenanigans. You were pretty good at the violin, an instrument your grandparents took you to lessons for so you'd get your hands just right. But you gave it up because it wasn't cool. This was an uninformed opinion. And they didn't have the violin section in your school's band, so you just justify the switch to woodwind. Um, so your parents were all about you taking these violin lessons. Well, you know, so the reason why I was hanging out with my grandparents as much as I was is because my mom is a waitress. She's still a waitress, um, and she worked full-time and doubles, you know, because I was going to a private Christian Southern Baptist school, and my right. dad had been MIA. I don't know where he was. I can't remember probably in a bar so I hung out with my grandparents a lot they watched me on a lot of nights and so yeah I used to play the violin and I'm like god vi violinists are so sexy now <laughs> sorry I just you're right it's true except uh, I I can only think of one violinist that I really truly got and that's a uh, Vanessa I forget. It was like she was Asian. She was like a really famous violinist when I was growing up. Vanessa May, maybe, or something like that? I don't know. But anytime I see an adult playing a violin, I'm like, you're hot. I don't even 
care what you look like, you know? Musicians, they get it. They get it. Yeah. And so I made the mistake of switching. They, I guess because you had to be in an extracurricular, you either had to be in band or choir. And I was terrified of singing because I hated my voice. So therefore, I had to be in band. And I just never could do, I wanted to play the French horn, but no one else played it. So I played the clarinet. I sucked at it. I can't use a reed to save my life. I just was never good, you know? And I really wanted to be good because the band, I know people think they're geeks or whatever, but they were a clique, you know? They were a crew and they were tight. And I always kind of thought that was cool, but I couldn't get in it. I wasn't good enough. Definitely something I relate to in that you would need to have the proficiency in an instrument in order to roll with the, with the crew. And that was definitely yeah. something I could not ever do. Nor I. No. I, uh, I guess the extent of my musical career is that I did vocals in an extremely short-lived Short-lived? Short-lived. I think it's actually short-lived, even though it sounds strange. <laughs> Someone told me that recently. I don't know. I don't know who, Some you, sort who of your sources are. Some grammar Nazi was on my ass. I'm going to go with the nonfiction <laughs> guy here over uh, the Google Hangout to uh, confirm what the actual uh, pronun- uh, sorry pronunciation I is. Say, don't trust anyone who's correcting your grammar to make you sound crazy. That's just my... Fair enough. So, but uh, so I, I did vocals in a very, very short-lived hardcore band mm. yeah, in high school. Mm-hmm. It basically had the best name that, we could th- that you could have at the time. Uh, the name of the band was Bear Cavalry. Yes. Which is exactly as awesome as it sounds. <laughs> so you were in like a screamo band? Yeah, yeah. I'm so fucking jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> There definitely was like a lot of jumping around like a maniac because I wasn't playing an instrument, you know, so I had to have some sort of stage presence and throwing the mic around and choking myself with the mic. You know, the classic, the classics, all, all your favorite hits. With your grandmother being such a, a driving force in your childhood and now yeah. essentially being here in your life as the woman that you're staying with while you're down there, I mean, it's great that you've stayed close with her. And that she is such a source of many funny stories over the years. What drove you to do this now, this web series where it's called Grammel and Tyler Rate Movies? Talk movies. Talk movies. Sorry, talk movies. Because it's about talking, so, like us. Yeah, we're just having fun. My grandma had my mom when she was 19, right? So she's, my grandmother's 73, or she would, she would kill me. I'm not supposed to ever say her age. (laughs) She's in her 70s. And -hmm. six years, I haven't lived in Florida. I've written essays about our experiences of like, we went to the Rocky Horror Picture Show together. And we just, we just do kind of things. And so I've been writing a lot about her. One of our favorite things to do is see movies. We used to like see three movies in one day. We would call it triple dipping. Like when you go to the theater and you go in the morning and the afternoon and then the evening, you know, and you get to see three movies and then we would just chat about it and what we liked and what we didn't like. So that's why I wanted to do the web series. But I think it's for mostly a lot of the same reasons as why, you know, you have that 
recording with your grandmother, you know, and Mm -hmm. my grandma is getting older. So I do want to have something that I can physically come back to and listen to and look at. She's funny. She She is. She loves pop culture in a way. Like we were watching Dancing with the Stars together tonight, which I don't necessarily, not my favorite show, but like that's her favorite show, you know. I But mostly just for that kind of physical thing for me to look at um, in the future. That's really nice. And so you, you reviewed The Meddler with Susan Sarandon, Rose Byrne, uh, J.K. Simmons, a movie that incidentally I don't think I actually knew existed, but that sounds like a pretty good yeah. movie cast-wise. In terms of other films that you have in The Cooker, what do you got coming yeah. up? Well, we're going to go see X-Men Apocalypse for sure. Cannot wait. Yeah, I want to see that flick for sure, man. Yeah, she saw the commercial and was like, we got to go see that. And I was like, you know that. You know, and also I've been seeing a lot of movies with her just my whole life. Like we saw Magic Mike double XL together. As you do with your grandma. As you do. Yeah, classic grandma flick. And we went with her best friend, who's then also an older person. And it was, I think that was a little bit not my most thought through plan. But she has a <laughs> huge crush on Channing Tatum. They both love Channing Tatum. You know, well, yeah, you guys are like, whatever. But I just find it it's interesting, too, that older people are, like, really plugged in. I just learn a lot from older people, you know. So I love, I love hanging out with her and her friends. They're just cracking me up. There's a reason they made it this far, man. They, they've seen some, 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 crazy, some crazy stuff. If my mother-in-law was uh, adept to going to the movies, and I don't know if she would ever want to go and see something like that. The last time we saw a movie together, we went, my wife and I went with her to see, I think it was The Iron Lady. But naturally, the only reason why this made any sense to go with her was because she's a British woman and she wants to see British movies. I mean, this is a woman who's like late 70s, so much older than a lot of other uh, mothers, but certainly around the same age as a lot of grandmothers. So at any rate, that was the kind of fair she was looking for. Meryl Streep doing her best to Margaret Thatcher. Um, at any rate, movies with grandmothers uh, is definitely something that needs to happen more with adults. Damn it. Help the age. Yeah, but maybe not stripper movies, though. I mean... Yeah. That, that, it, was, it was a good thought. It was hey, a novel again, idea. Just trying to, just trying to have a nice there, bonding like, moment. Yeah, it was just a really weird moment for me, definitely. <laughs> the first time I... I think I was like 14 when I was at a film with my mother and there was a sex scene in it. And yeah, and just like... Oh, what do I do? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, that that moment for me was talking about Florida, Wild Things. When I saw Wild Things with, for my buddy Ryan Reich's birthday, there was a whole mess of us, and his mom that was, was a there hot, too. That's a hot movie, man. Eighth grade. That's a hot movie. Probably not the best movie to see for no, a chaperone. No, no, no. That Chap- was like not, uh, the, not a right chaperone movie. That was like one of those movies when I was a kid. I was like, oh my god, does somebody have a copy of Wild Things? Like, D- oh, we got Wild Things, bro. It's about to about to step up this <laughs> night. <laughs> uh, I definitely saw High Fidelity with my mom when I was a kid, hmm. uh, which is like you know a comedy, but there's just the whole, everything they're talking about is sex in the film and stuff, you know. But it's great. That's a great movie, though, honestly. So I, I think I just didn't. I, I, at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm an adult now. Mom, mom can't say anything else to me because we saw a John Cusack movie together. <laughs> Before we uh, depart on this episode, uh, I did want to cover a few things. Uh, one, it's Pride Month, and uh, do you have anything coming up that you're up up to? Any plans that you have for this lovely month? 
Um, well, I'm working on my tan. I'm working on being unemployed. Sure. I probably will go to Pride. I went to Pride last year with my mom in St. Petersburg. Like, yeah, going to Pride with your family is probably really one of the most lovely things to do. Absolutely. Um, and I'm just, I'm working on my, I'm working on my book right now. So I'm doing research. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm joking that I'm unemployed, but I'm, I'm also doing research and getting ready to teach in the fall. You've got so, a lot. Of, you got a lot of good stuff coming up, and uh, I'm excited on all fronts, be it literary or uh, video or anything at all um, that you have your name attached to. Uh, consider at least myself and now Jimmy. Now that he is hip to your shenanigans, I'm looking forward very much to the next thing that you got coming up. Yeah, and I'm. I love talking to you guys. I was actually thinking about. I started watching The Goldbergs. Have you watched that? You know, I don't watch a lot of ABC, to be perfectly honest. So I, it's not anything against the Goldbergs, but just I kind of um, I overlook ABC programming. But I think I probably should watch the Goldbergs because it just got renewed. It just got picked up for another season. But do you know the premise of the show? It, it's a, like a it's the 80s. It's an 80s based sitcom featuring uh, a few named actors, from my understanding. Right. Well, the guy uses video. Like, I guess this guy shot video kind of like you did, like with the audio. And they they have clips. Of, it's like based off those clips. I don't know. It makes me think of you. You're, ma- you're kind of funny. You're you're schooling me, and you're making me now want to watch the show because I did not know that they had integrated that so heavily into they, the premise. Yeah, watch an episode. I mean the. The lead in it is annoying, and I can't stand him. He's, like, 12, and I don't like children actors, period. But, like, the rest <laughs> of the cast is pretty good. Tyler, thank you. Uh, now I know what to DVR when I can finally find room in my DVR. <laughs> um, and uh, always nice chat. Thanks so much again to Tyler Gillespie. Once again, The Awkward Phase is out now, and you can find it everywhere, Barnes & Noble, whatnot, Skyhorse Publishing. Thank you. Thanks again for coming on.
And that's our show for this week. Make sure to tune in next week for another episode of Lost and Rewound. Don't forget that there is always the opportunity in the meantime to help us continue our show with great financial ease. Yes, as I said earlier, we want your booties. <laughs> all of them! All of them! All your booties. So, again, yes, you can sponsor our show. We do this out of the kindness of our hearts and wanting to share these beautiful stories with everyone. But, you know, this is New York City, and then things don't come cheap. Things don't come free. So, actually, here at Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, this is a community collaboratively run project where, actually, the hosts are required to contribute in some way to the station. If you sponsor a show, you help us to further defray those costs so we don't have to take it out of our own pocket or take time away from working or taking care of our sickly dogs and things like that. So Indeed. That, <laughs> I, 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 that ain't no lie. I, I know that's, that's, that's the truth. You so, know that's right. So again, if you sponsor a show, you can actually sponsor us if you'd like for an entire season. And if you do sponsor us for a season... You can be automatically billed for basically each month. You can do a dollar. That would be for six bucks. Five dollars a month for 30 bucks. Or you could do ten dollars a month for 60 bucks. Or you could do more. 20 bucks a month. Yep. I mean, if you wanted to hand us a mill, a cool mill. Maybe we won't have to be I don't in think the we'll, basement of a bike shop I don't, anymore. Yeah, I don't think we'll need to go there. But hey, one dollar, two dollar. Oh, sorry, one dollar, five dollars, and ten dollars is really all that we'll need. And thank you in advance for being so kind with your contributions. Check out more information at radiofreebrooklyn.com. We are online all over the place. Especially check us out at lostandrewound.com. Our profile page, radiofreebrooklyn.com. Slash L A R. I'm Alon. My name is Jimmy. See you next week. Um, hold on one second. It's a baker's dozen, eight. Hey, eight's not a biggest dozen. I didn't tell you I was a bacon thief. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs>